0: Good evening, and welcome to the digital campus of Newark United Pentecostal Church. It's a pleasure to be with you all this evening. Um, a special welcome to our guests. Uh, it's a, a a privilege that you have stopped in and spent a little time with us this evening. We hope that you um, enjoy what you found, what you find here. <clears throat> and uh, those of you who are regulars, we appreciate you as well. Remember that anything you need about us, you can find at Newark upc.info. There you can find uh, information about, um, you know, pastoral team. Um, You can find information about small groups, which actually there's one tonight following this broadcast um, where we share um, prayer requests and we share a Bible study and and we actually have some discussion over some questions and things. And so uh, if you are not in a small group, you are missing out. And again, you do not have to be a member of this church uh, to join one of those small groups, but you can find out how to join up small groups online at that same newarkupc.info. Uh, I also want to make sure that I remind all of you members, you consider yourself a member of Newark UPC, uh, that on June 2nd, so Wednesday, June 2nd, we will have a duly called business meeting to discuss our parking lot. And we're going to do it right here on the same, the same bridge that we use for small groups. Uh, uh, but again, it will be on a Wednesday, June 2nd. Uh, at 7 p.m., uh, you'll receive email notifications and uh, text uh, reminders of that as we get closer. Um, be sure to spread the word if you have some, you know, some of your church members don't necessarily join us online. Be sure to spread, help us spread the word, uh, but make yourself available for that because your input is very important. So tonight, uh, we're continuing our series um, on the foreigner, the immigrant, the stranger, and in this series. We're focused on how God sees them, um, you know, where do they fall with him? And while God separated his people from the nations around them, uh, he also invited those from these nations in. And if they would follow his commands and his instructions, they were welcome to be uh, become his people. And so tonight I'll bring you a story of one such lady who came in, uh, in a very courageous manner at that. So not only was she a foreigner, Uh, because she was not an Israelite in the case of this story. Um, But she was also, you know, what we would consider an undesirable. You know, she was a a prostitute, the scripture describes her as, and someone who most likely uh, was looked down upon uh, by most people. And this person I'm speaking about uh, is Rahab. And we learn about Rahab in the midst of a very popular story in the scriptures about the Jericho walls falling down. That's one of those famous Sunday school lessons that that we like to teach our children. And so um, we're introducing Rahab um, when Joshua sent in the spies to scout out the land of Jericho. Again, this is a very familiar story. I'm gonna pick up at Joshua 2, but if you don't know all the ins and outs of that story, please go back and read the context around that. Again, I'm picking up at Joshua uh, chapter two. It says, then Joshua secretly sent out two spies from the Israelite camp at Achaia Grove. He instructed them, scout out the land on the other side of the Jordan River, especially around Jericho. So the two men set out and came to the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there that night. But someone told the king of Jericho, some Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent orders to Rahab, bring out the men who have come into your house. For they have come here to spy out the whole land. Rahab had hidden the two men, but she replied, Oh, yes, the men were here earlier, but I didn't know um, where they were from. They left the town at dusk as the gates were about to close. I didn't know where they went. So if you hurry, you can probably catch up with them. Actually, she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them beneath the bundles of flax she had laid out. So the king's men went looking for the spies along the road leading to the uh, shallow crossing of the Jordan River. And as soon as the kingsmen had left, the gate of Jericho was shut. <clears throat> so Rahab really put herself at risk by providing cover for these strangers. Um, these weren't her people. right? It seems as though she, you know, well, she knew what she had to gain. But she put herself at risk by, again, covering for these men. And if she had been caught, the consequences most likely would have been very great. I mean, you think about this: these these men are plotting, and and is going to lay out just how she knew exactly what was about to happen uh, in the scripture that I'm about to read you. But, um, yeah, this was almost an act of treason for her to uh, favor these men even over her own people. But nonetheless she had a good reason for taking such a risk. Verse eight says, before the spies went to sleep that night, Rahab went up on the roof to talk with them. I know the Lord has given you this land, she told them. We are all afraid of you. Everyone in the land is living in terror. For we have heard how the Lord made a dry path for you through this Red Sea when you left Egypt. And we know what you did to Sihon and Og, the two Amorite kings east of the Jordan River, whose people you completely destroyed. No wonder our hearts have melted in fear. No one has the courage to fight after hearing such things. For the Lord your God is a supreme God of heaven above and earth below. Mm. Interesting uh, to me is that the people of Jericho had been living in fear of the Israelites. So if Rahab knew it, then pretty much the whole city knew it. And, and she said that we're living in fear of you. Um, they had been obviously keeping up with their victories and, and uh, you know, the, the things that were happening around them and sort of waiting their turn, which I think is kind of strange. But nonetheless, they didn't take any proactive action. They knew it was just a matter of time that they too would be overtaken, but you know, they just kind of, Kick back and let's see when they come this way, we'll deal with it. Um, They didn't seem to have a plan, but Rahab, this you know, shady woman uh, on the low end of the totem pole of society, she seems to have anticipated this moment and was ready when the opportunity presented itself. I wonder how long she had been waiting for this moment, not just to save herself and her people from destruction but perhaps how long has she been waiting for a better life? And you'll see what I mean by this as we read. I don't care how hard life gets, right? No woman or person for that matter wants to be a prostitute. Right? That's not just a decision you, you know, you you get up and make up your mind. This is what I want to be in life, right? There had to be some circumstances that led her to that place. now stay with me because I am still talking about uh, those who are foreign, uh, the undesirables, and, and how God sees them. What God, um, I'm sorry, what does God, what does God want for Rahabs, uh, the Rahabs of this world? Think about that. This woman, she was foreign to the Israelites. You know, she was living definitely a less than desirable life. What does God want for those types of people? And I'm, I'm, I'm struggling here to say us types of people, but for all of us, right? What does God want? Is that God's will for us to be living like that? So now the story goes on and Rahab makes her plea to the spies. Verse 12 says, now swear to me by the Lord that you will be kind to me and my family since I have helped you. Give me some guarantee that when Jericho is conquered, you will let me live along with my father and my mother and my brothers and my sisters and all their families. We offer our own lives as guarantee for your safety. The men agreed, if you don't betray us, we will keep our promise and be kind to you when the Lord gives us this land. Then, since Rahab's house was built into the town wall, she let them down by a rope through the window. Escape to the hill country, she told them. Hide there for 3 days from the men searching for you. So she already knew there was going to be a search for them. Then when they have returned, you can go your way. Before they left, the men told her, we will be bound by the oath we have taken only if you follow these instructions. When we come into the land, you must leave this scarlet rope hanging from the window through which you let us down. And all your family members, your father, your mother, your brothers, and all your relatives must be here inside the house. If they go into the street and are killed, it will not be our fault. But if anyone says, I'm sorry, but if anyone lays a hand on the people inside this house, we will accept the responsibility for their death. If you betray us, however, we will not be bound by this oath in any way. I accept the term, she replied. And she sent them on their way, leaving the scarlet rope hanging from the window. <clears throat> now let's drop down to chapter six and let's see what happened the day um, it came for, for Israel to overthrow Jericho. Let's let's actually see what actually played out there. So chapter six, I'm going to start with verse 15. says, when the seventh day came, so if you remember, there's a gap in the story. And then when God told them to march around the city, for seven times and, you know, they were just to be quiet and, and on that seven time they would make this shout. So they're at this seven times. So when the seventh day came and they got up early and marched around the city the same way, but seven times. Yes, this day they circled the city seven times. On the seventh time around, the priest blew the trumpets and Joshua signaled the people shout. God has given you the city, the city and everything in it is under under a holy curse and offered up to God. Except for Rahab the harlot, she is to live. So was shouting this along with the rest of the, the, the orders to the people. Except for Rahab the harlot, she is to live. She and everyone in her house with her because she hid the agents we sent. Woo. Rahab was smart. Verse 18 picks up and says, as for you, watch yourselves in the city under... Um, in the city under the holy curse, be careful that you don't covet anything in it and take something that's cursed, endangering the camp of Israel with the curse and making trouble for everyone. All silver and gold, all vessels of bronze and iron are holy to God. Put them in the in God's treasury. And the priests blew the trumpets. And when the people heard the blast of the trumpets, they gave a thunderclap shout. The wall fell at once. The people rushed straight in, into the city and took it. They put. Everything in the city under the holy curse, killing man and woman, young and old, oxen, sheep and donkey. Joshua ordered the two men who had spied out the land into the house of the harlot and rescue the woman. And everyone connected with her. Just as you promised her. So the young spies went in and brought out Rahab, her father, mother, brothers and everyone connected with her. They got the whole family out and gave them a place outside the camp of Israel. Notice they gave them a place outside the camp of Israel. But they burned down the city and everything in it, except for the gold and silver and bronze and iron vessels, all that they put in the treasury of God's house. But Joshua let Rahab the harlot live. Rahab and her father's household and everyone connected to her. She is still alive and well in Israel because she hid the agents whom Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. Mm -mm -mm. This is what God wants for the Rahabs of the world. I asked you that question. What does God want? Right. In fact, it's what he wants for all people. That we would dwell with him in his kingdom, whether you realize it or not. We're all immigrants to God. Alienated from God by our sins. In the New Testament, we find this statement in Galatians. I'm reading Galatians 3.28. It says, there's no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for all are one in Christ Jesus. Now that scripture makes um, that scripture and many like it in the New Testament speak to what Christ made possible at Calvary. He tore down the uh, wall of separation uh, for all. But on the real, real, God had already been making provisions for those on the outside. Did you notice that? We just, I just gave you one story. And if you go back and look through our uh, our messages, if you missed them this week, and those of you who have been with us every week, you follow that pattern, right? We're talking about people who are on the outside. And, and some of these people were before Calvary. Okay. And so he's already been making provision for those on the outside, long before God came in the flesh. He was welcoming others in. And Rahab is just one example of that. People's willingness to follow God was and is the key, right? That's a ticket. Do you want to follow God? Are you willing to, to follow his ways? That's the key to whether you're in or out. And it works both ways. So the scripture says that God is no respective person. So we're talking about how an outsider, right? An immigrant, this foreigner, whatever, would get into the kingdom, if you will. But it works both ways because God is truly no respect of persons. So if you're not an Israelite and you humble yourself and you follow God's ways, he'll let you in. Or if you were an Israelite and you didn't follow God's ways, he'd kick you out. Yes, you would become a foreigner in a strange land. This happened to the Israelites several times in Egypt and Babylon and other nations. So let me share with you just one example from Ezekiel. Now you might say, where in the world did she get this example from? Well, I thought this was a um, this was a good example to demonstrate what I just said to you, right? And and, and I know it's, you're probably gonna like, well, that's a seemingly odd text, but it shows how those that were in got booted out and what needed to happen for them to get back in. It also demonstrates how our... Treatment of others affects whether we're in or out. Hope you followed all that. All right. So the text um, begins with God showing Ezekiel um, 25 leaders who were planning evil against the city. And in their plotting evil, they felt that they were secure inside like meat in an iron pot. Now I thought that was crazy. They they use this analogy themselves, right? That we're like meat in iron pot, right? That they were secure. That was their way of, of of um that was their way of of expressing how secure they felt. So I'm going to Ezekiel chapter 11, and I'm going to start with verse five. And so it says, "Then the spirit of the Lord came upon me and told me to say." So this is what he says to those 25 leaders who thought they were so secure. The Lord says to the people of Israel. I know what you are saying, for I know every thought that comes into your minds. You have murdered many in this city and filled the streets with the dead. So he's talking to his own people. Therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says. This city is an iron pot, all right. But the pieces of meat are the victims of your own injustice. As for you, I will soon drag you from this pot, this place you think is so secure. I will bring on you the sword of war, so you—I'm sorry—a uh, war you so greatly fear, says the sovereign Lord. I will drive you out of Jerusalem and hand you over to foreigners who will carry you. Sorry, who will carry out my judgments against you? So here you see the switcheroo. God is talking to His own people, Israel. You have not conducted yourself right. You have you have um, done evil in my sight. And I'm going to hand you over. I'm going to make you foreigners uh, to to others who will carry out my judgment against you. You will be slaughtered all the way to the borders of Israel. I will execute judgment on you, and you will know that I am the Lord. No, this city will not be an iron pot for you, and you will not be like me, safe inside it. I will judge you even to the borders of Israel, and you will know that I am the Lord. For you have refused to obey my decrees, my regulations, instead of You have copied the standards of the nations around you. So here the key is, this is why you're getting kicked out in case you don't know, right? It's because you have refused to obey my decrees and regulations. You have copied the behaviors of the people around you. Verse 13 says, so while I was still prophesying, uh, Politea and Benea suddenly died. They fell face down on the ground and cried out, oh, sovereign Lord, are you going to kill everyone in Israel? So God was hot. Folks were scared now. They suddenly realized how secure they were not. Verse 14 picks up and said, Then this message came to me from the Lord Son of man, the people still left in Jerusalem are talking about you and your relatives and all the people of Israel who are in exile. They are saying, Those people are far away from the Lord. So now he has given their land to us. Therefore, tell the exiles, This is what the sovereign Lord says. Although I have scattered you in the countries of the world, I will be a sanctuary to you during your your time of exile. So God always has an amazing way of demonstrating compassion, even though we are wrong. Right. Okay, i sent you to these places, but I'm still going to be a sanctuary to you during your time of exile. Verse 17 says I, the sovereign Lord, will gather you back from the nations where you have been scattered. And I will give you the land of Israel once again. So God said, "Okay, that'll be full time, but I will bring you back and I'll let you in at some point. When the people return to their homeland, they will remove every trace of their vile images and detestable idols. And I will give them singleness of heart and put a new spirit within them. I will take away their stony, stubborn heart and give them a tender, responsive heart. So they will obey my decrees, getting to the point again, and regulations. Then they will truly be my people and I will be their God. But as for those who long for vile images and detestable idols, I will repay them fully for their sins. I, the sovereign Lord, have spoken it. So here you again, you saw an example of God is no respect of persons. You want to be his, you got to line up. That's the bottom line, according to his laws and decrees. So like Israel, the church, i am shifted from old times to that, the church can struggle with how we treat others, our own and the outsider, the foreigners, the immigrants, if you will, uh, those who feel they don't belong. But the Lord has made room for all. I want you to notice that he's made room for all. The body of Christ must remember that we were once foreigners to God. And God extended graciousness to us. And that grace that God has extended to us, we need to extend to others. But uh, the foreigner, the immigrant, uh, the, the outsider, what 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 roles do they have? And what I mean by that is, well, well, let me let me piggyback on something that was brought out last night in our Wednesday night Bible study. Uh Joyce Allen presented the story of. Cornelius in our live Bible study last night. And she made a very important point toward the end of that message that I want to drive home tonight. So my question is, what role then? So we talked about, we know that God wants his people to treat others right. And that others, I'm leaving just as broad as that, right? His people and those that come from the outside, whatever that outside is. Um, But what role does the outsider have? Now, I, I know I started off talking about Rahab, and I've gone to quite a few things, but I'm still talking about Rahab in, in, in highlighting this story about the immigrant and the roles. But what role does the outsider have? Um, so Joyce put, made this point. She said that being a foreigner is not just about location. It's not about you being from there and me being from here, but it but it can be a mentality. It took a minute for me to get that when she said that. Be a mentality. In other words, you being an outsider can very much be your perception, right? Not necessarily reality. Your particular perception. You you've made yourself an outsider by the way you look at yourself, right? By the way you you by the way you perceive things. And so, as an outsider, we can project. Our perceptions of what we think onto others, and we, we can make up in our minds ahead of time how people will receive us or not. And so uh, it goes like this: I've had this happen several times in the church. I've been around the church a lot of years, and um, you know, guests will come in, and you know, maybe some of these guests have this outsider mentality uh, that Joyce was speaking about, and you know, you you approach this guest and. You know, you you want to be friendly. You want to embrace them. You want them to feel welcoming. You know, what are some ways that we make people feel welcome? We could ask them something about themselves. You know, oh, how are you today? Oh, you know, do you live around here? And and you, you know you're making small talk. You're trying to show a genuine interest in people. And that outsider who perceives himself as an outsider, right? The body's doing its right job and being welcoming and kind and showing hospitality. And but because you see yourself as this outsider. You see my genuine interest in you. It's me trying to be in your business. You ever had people say that? You know, oh, I'm trying to be in my business. Well, I'm just asking you, how you doing today. I'm just asking you, do you live around here? I mean, that, that's normal stuff when you try to get to know people, right? Uh, and so in, in in those kind of situations, the insiders, again, I'm just working with this theme tonight, right? The the insiders have turned down their have torn down their walls of separation. Right, they are being kind and hospitable and welcoming. But your walls are firmly in place. Right? Talking about the role of the outsider. Right? It, it takes two. So the body wants to bless you and help you flourish. And, and we want to share what Jesus did for us so that you will know what He can do for you. But you won't accept it. You won't accept phone calls. You won't accept an invitation uh, to anything, you know, to dinner or to a, to a small group or, you know, just to do life together. You've got that wall firmly up and you've relegated yourself to outsider status. The body hasn't done that. So I know I'm, I'm flip flopping here, but I want you to show how it works both ways. In fact, the scripture says that uh, that, that to him, the one's, one's friend, you have to show yourself friendly. And so each party has a role, if you will, the insider and the outsider. And, um, you know, how you perceive yourself, well, can in itself be a wall. And others can have, uh, could have torn their walls down and your wall could be erected so high. You don't even notice that there's a down. It's your wall that's blocking things. So uh I know that Rahab, you know, I'm flipping back all the way to our story, right? Rahab, surely she wanted to save herself and her family and those that she cared about. Right. And, you know, she. Definitely wanted to save her hide. But to do so, she had to make herself vulnerable. When we come into the church, we're trying to, we want our hides to be saved too. That's why we come coming. We want, we want to be rescued. Right? However, it is we've been living, it's not doing it. We're at risk out there. We want to be somewhere safe. And, and so, in order to do though, to do so, however, we got to make ourselves vulnerable. Now in Rahab's case, her making herself vulnerable paid off big time. It really did. Remember that end of, of Joshua 6, verse uh, 25, it says that that Rahab uh, she still lived with the Israelites. So after the fact. Yes, they came and they, you know, the walls came down, and yes, they did take the city. And she not only still dwelled in Israel, but she she married an Israelite. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She married into the family, if you will. Talk about coming in. There's one thing to be around folks, right? There's one thing to be welcomed by folks. But when you marry, you come into the family. Okay. So Rahab eventually came in. Yeah. And have you ever thought about how that probably came about? I think that's interesting. I don't know whether Rahab had to say, hey, you know, after it was all over, you know, can, can I go with y'all? All right. Or maybe somebody, some some Israelites came, or, you know, looked around and saw her and her family there, looking all disillusioned and having nothing, you know, nothing left because the whole city was decimating going, come with us. Either way, some hospitality had to be offered, right? She either had to take a risk and ask, or somebody had to uh, welcome them in. Or maybe they just kind of hung around the Israelites and maybe this allowed them to be there. Either way, some, some, Uh, graciousness had to be extended. So the body of Christ has its role in welcoming the foreigner, the outsider, uh, the the immigrant, however you want to look at it. But the person on the outside also has a role in allowing the body to love on them, to care for them, to, to uh, get to know them. It's a two way street. So Rahab, Rahab married into the family and Rahab, ended up being in the lineage of Jesus Christ, who would have ever knew, right? You go to Matthew one and you'll read the lineage of Jesus Christ. And there, smack dab in the middle of it is Rahab, this immigrant, this foreign woman to Israel who made herself available and made herself vulnerable and took a chance on God. And she won big time. So I hope that Rahab's story is an encouragement to you um, on both sides. Anyway, there's an encouragement to you to take a risk. Right, I, don't, I can't speak for other churches. I can only speak for the place where where I'm a member of, if you will. And I can tell you that Newark wants you, whoever you are, whether your background, whether you're a prostitute, whether you're a drug addict, whatever, wherever you come from, whether you're a foreigner, literally a foreigner, whether you come from another country, you speak another language, another culture. Right, Newark is a place where you are welcome. We see you coming. And we, we're like, you know, talk about arms up and wide. We're like, come on in, you know. We we, we might just overlook you. You might be going, like, oh, this is this is too much. These people are extra. But that's how much you are welcome. We love diversity. Come on in. If you're listening to this broadcast and you're thinking, man, you know, um, I can't wait those people have services. I hope you're saying that, right? We can't wait either. We can't wait to see who comes through the door after this COVID is over. And I want you to know that you are welcome. Whoever you are, there's a place for you at Newark United Pentecostal Church. And we're not the only ones. I'm just I'm just speaking to this audience that may be listening to this broadcast tonight. We're not the only ones, but that's something we're good at. We are good at welcoming all. God wants everyone to be saved. He wants everybody in the family. Well, thank you for listening tonight. I hope that you were encouraged, church and foreigner alike. And um, look forward to seeing you all here tomorrow night for another broadcast at 7 p.m. Uh, we're going to pray and um, and um, following this message, we will have small groups. Don't forget, go to NewarkUBC.info and there you can find all the information that you need about us. Let's pray, and I will get off here tonight. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you, Lord, for reminding us of the role of your body and the role who are the of those who are outside, Lord Jesus. We know that your will is that all should be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. You want everybody in the family. It's the reason you died at Calvary. We thank you, Lord, for that standing invitation, Lord Jesus. Help us, oh God, to fulfill your will, to, to create an environment that's um, hospitable and warm and loving where people can grow and flourish, oh God. We thank you, Lord, for that revelation tonight. Thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you all. God bless you, and we will see you again soon.